News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. It's hard to stay on top of it all. That's why ADP is here to guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise to help you navigate these complex times so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of changes in legislation. When you rely on us for payroll and HR, you're trusting us to help you take care of your people. It's what we've been doing for over 70 years, and that's not about to change. ADP, HR talent, time, benefits, and payroll, informed by data and designed for people. Our goals aren't as out of reach as we once thought because things are coming back. And if there's anything we've learned, it's that there's no time like the present. At U.S. Bank, we take the time to understand you, to help get you to where you really want to be by getting to the root of any financial obstacle so you can move forward because side by side, there's no telling how far you'll go. U.S. Bank, we'll get there together. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business success, build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. In this episode, we feature a playback audio from Montgomery Community Media's Small Business Network. I had the opportunity to connect with a dynamic panel of corporate female leaders. Joining us in this panel discussion are the supplier and diversity leaders from McCormick & Company, Sheila Dawson-Jones, Seduxo, Darlene Fuller, and Freddie Mac. Dominica Groom. This particular conversation connects directly with O, obtain more leads when we think of boost. So first up, I'm going to, I want to pose a question to all of you because sort of the burning question in the back of my mind is why? Why do your companies support diverse women-owned companies? Um, Kelly, for McCormick, um, first of all, we have a, from a global standpoint, we have a, um, a global sustainability initiative that we call Purpose-Led Performance. And that is focused on three pillars, which is people, place, people, communities, and the planet. So we actually want to do the right thing from a global standpoint. So, And part of um, women-owned businesses and so, from a supply diversity standpoint is obviously from communities and people that um, initiative falls under that. So we want to do the right thing in terms of providing opportunities for women-owned companies and also other diverse um, categories as well. But because we realize the value, the economic, uh, from an economic development standpoint, that women-owned businesses bring to the communities that they um, serve. So that's why it's such an important initiative for us. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, um, we actually started our program in little before 2000 as part of our diversity and inclusion uh, commitment, which is part of our strategic imperatives for our company, which includes workforce, engagement in diversity, and supplier diversity. And then, as you heard, it's like we are, we've moved into part of our overall Better Tomorrow plan to include diverse and small, biz- small SME businesses globally um, within our supply chain. And so we're committed to doing that in all 80 countries. As we said, it's a journey. But we really see doing business with diverse businesses as really helping us to grow our business because it's the diverse businesses that are able to be nimble, to be able to change and adapt. They have innovative ideas. They bring um, comp- competition to the supply chain network. They actually, um, for us, because we provide food, they actually provide those authentic products to our customers.
customers. It really helped our customer satisfaction. And then one of the newest things is it really, as the workforce changes, the workforce we have nowadays, they care about their um, what we do. So, like supporting women-owned businesses, doing things in the community is important to them. So, you know, to get those millennials to work for our company, really having a strong supplier diversity program really helps to make that happen. Because, as I say, as I say to my daughter who's uh, 25, she wants to make a difference. I'm like, you can make a difference more with a large company because we have the funds to help versus a small company. So, you know, it's. It's a way to really have those millennials and other people in the company really um, support the community okay. because we need a village to help us to, to make this effort work. Absolutely. Now, what about Absolutely. It? So I, I'm biased because I'm a female and women rock. <laughs> so it's inevitable that we would support women-owned businesses. But we at Freddie have a longstanding commitment to women-owned businesses for a variety of reasons, uh, one of those bring, being the innovation that they bring to the table. So when we're looking at engaging our employee um, base as well as our, our customer demographic, Women bring that, that innovative mindset that really help us to level set our expectations, reset the bar, and re-deliver against the needs of the business community. Um, also, it's, it creates a, a, t- a healthy competition, as Darlene was mentioning, where we are able to bring forth these um, innovative businesses to compete with the non-diverse partners and create that competitive environment where we're able to secure more effective pricing, um, efficient operations, et cetera. We're also stimulating economic growth, which we're really proud about. We're contributing to the community. Um, but more importantly, what we found in partnering with women-owned businesses is that they tend to adopt our beliefs and our passion around diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. and exhibit that within their workforce as well. So they are adopting our strategies and really joining us as a partnership more so than just a contract obligation. And it become, we become true business partners in really moving the needle and supporting each other mutually to drive business outcomes. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we touched on why, but now what? So. When you think about the, the fact that, okay, you're reaching out to these diverse women-owned businesses, what specifically is the question to you, Sheila? What's the, the economic impact of your supporting? So I really like this question because for us and because of the nature of what we do uh, as the, you know, uh, spice seasoning, extracts, and you know, all types of uh, other ingredients that we uh, manufacture and sell, we know that women... Um, consumers, a large consumer base for McCormick. So it, for us, just, you know, the term, it makes just good business sense to, you know, engage and, you know, in, in women-owned businesses and provide opportunities. It, it just does from, from that standpoint. And the other part, from a global standpoint, we have, um, I think, for for years, we've been working um, with small, they call smallholder farmers, and a lot of those in places like Madagascar and in, um, Indonesia, Vietnam, and these farms are primarily run by women, and we're really actively engaged in championing, you know, uh, women of color and people of color from a, from a global standpoint, because we, we definitely recognize the value that these, you know, types of, you know, um, groups bring to um, companies like particularly McCormick in terms of the products and um, services that, that they provide for us. So it's, it's almost like a no-brainer from that standpoint. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, Dominica, just back to you, because yes. you alluded to the innovation and mm-hmm. the ideas that women bring. When you think about, when you reflect on your years and the role that mm-hmm. you've been in, what type of trends do you currently see in terms Absolutely. of the impact of these diverse women-owned businesses? And then beyond that, what do you anticipate 
um, envisioning in terms of trends in this space. So I think that the biggest trend is the increased utilization of women-owned businesses across corporate supply chains globally. So you're seeing more corporations recognizing the impact and the value of these businesses, and so they're starting to integrate them more into their supply chains. Also, what I'm starting to see is um, women-owned businesses um, show up with a stronger presence in in non-traditional areas like the financial services industry, which is the industry that I represent, as well as IT. So it's great to see the integration within that space. Um, Moving forward, I think that we're going to continue to see the increased utilization, which is phenomenal. But also, there's opportunity for joint ventures and joint partnerships. So a lot of corporations are streamlining their um, procurement practices, where they're trying to do more business with less suppliers. So because of that, a lot of the smaller businesses aren't best positioned to pursue those opportunities. So we're going to see a lot of opportunity for um, women-owned businesses to create legally sound agreements with one another to create a more unified and stronger force when being positioned for corporate opportunities. So that's one area. Um, Also, I think that we're going to see a lot of corporations, um, as they're streamlining their supply chain, looking at tier two opportunities. So when there isn't a direct opportunity to engage with a woman-owned business, they're going to put the accountability on their non-diverse procurement partner, business partners, to support them as a part of their operations and support of us. So you're going to see a lot of that going forward. And there's already, I'm sure my colleagues will attest to that, a rise in tier two activity as well. Beautiful. That's encouraging to hear. So Darlene, because we've talked at a very high level so far, somewhat general, but when we think about Sodexo and being right here in our I backyard, know, right here, in my <laughs> right down the road, <laughs> what do you see? Like, are there specific opportunities that you're seeing that we should keep our eyes open for as women-owned businesses to engage with Sodexo? Well, it's it's um, there's always opportunities. We purchase for our both of our business, which is the food and the FM side. So we purchase both nationally, regionally, locally for our business there. But we also, as we say, we have our headquarters is right down the ICC. It's like, <laughs> come to the end and there's our big building. Yeah. So, um, but we, so we purchase things for our corporate headquarters there. And what's, what's good at ours, because within supplier diversity, it's everybody's objectives within our company to do that. So we have opportunities where there's contracts that go out to bid with the RFP, but then there's also those local opportunities where people, um, you know, we need those local things at corporate headquarters. We have, um, we purchase a company called Roth that actually they do services for the FM side. So they are always looking for people to provide those services, FM services locally to those customers. And, and so that would be, you could possibly be servicing both Sodexo accounts and non-Sodexo accounts as part of that business. But um, what, what Dominica says is totally true. Like we actually provide over 600 second tier spend reports to our clients. Mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the, the big things that people should really look at. People want to do business with the big companies, but if you're you know, teaming with other people or trying to do business with other women-owned businesses makes a lot of sense because then you could grow and then maybe you might even team to come to for a larger contract mm-hmm. with you know with one of our companies. So I want to double back to something that you said because I don't want to gloss over. You said okay. something that it's a part of you all's objective. So is that to say that there's people inside of the organization where it's a part of their performance right. review, those exactly. metrics that so they're looking at? Exactly. How actively are they? Right. Okay. So, and you're all shaking yes. your heads. Yes. So, yes. so beyond just you all, because that's your role, yes. so naturally you would be measured by that, but you're saying that your colleagues that are even outside of the yes. formal yes. supplier diversity, I guess, title, they're even being held accountable for... Sure, fuck it. 
add just yeah, one thing absolutely. to that. So as McCormick is a um, large supplier to Sodexo, right. so as part of that relationship, we, in fact, supply Sodexo with second-tier supplier diversity spend reporting on a, on a regular basis. Okay. So that is an expectation. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, again, what yeah. Darlene was speaking to in terms of how... and. Dominique and how it kind of trickles down, right. you know, and, and be, become effective, more effective that way. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And the leadership accountability is important. Right. If you yes. don't have accountability throughout the organization where it's tied to performance, mm-hmm. then it's right. hard to get traction. Right. So yes. measurement exactly. matters. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. And so one of the things, and I know, Dominique, you mm-hmm. alluded, and actually each of you alluded to this whole notion of, of teaming. Yes. Um, and I'll ask, phrase this question to all of you. Does your company team with, you know, outside of just procuring products and or services, are there opportunities where you team with small businesses? And if so, what do you look for in an organization as part of the vetting process? So for us, and I, I mentioned this earlier about one of the things that we, we do and have been doing for a number of years, and that's from a global standpoint and from our um, um, ingredients, raw, raw material ingredients, where we do work with um, uh, or team, if you want to use that term, um, farmers, smallholder farmers, and where, and again, a lot of these are run by women. So we, and, and for, we want to impact the livelihoods and sustainability of these, these farmers. So we help them in terms of, help them with resources and tools in terms of childcare, um, healthcare, and financial guidance, because they, we, they need to be financially and, you know, um, economically stable um, for us in order for us to, you know, um, to grow the business, so that's one of one of the. Again, we've been doing this for uh, a number of years, but we're just really um, taking on that initiative and expanding on that, and looking at you know um, this initiative from a, even you know more global standpoint. Wow, awesome! <laughs> and what about you, Darlene? Um, what do you look for in teaming partners? Well, we well oftentimes because we are doing with Sedexa, we don't own any buildings. We do business at other people's facilities, mm-hmm. taking care of the services that are non-core to them, like the food service, FBM services. So what happens, we often have to pay attention to what they want. So we always have to have, people have to have insurance, mm-hmm. depending on what mm-hmm. that client's requirements are. It might even be higher because of that. They have to have insurance indemnity. If it's a food product, they have to have QA inspection mm-hmm. for their facility because we have to promise to keep all of our customers mm-hmm. safe. And what I'm seeing a lot of is um, technology and be able to have, depending on your product, is important. So, like, say if it's a food product, we have to be able to have that information, technology, to be able to get that information because nowadays we have to be able to um, know what the nutritional analysis is of that product to be able to put that recipe, how many calories. I mean, we all want to know how many calories that product has so we can decide what we want to have. You, know, you used to get that quesadilla that was a thousand, didn't know it was a thousand calories, but now, you know, we're going to get something that's 400 calories. But um, we said so we need to have that information. We need to know the ingredients because allergies is such a big thing. So, you know, if people, you know, it used to be you could just bring an invoice and we could buy that product, but now we really on the food side and some of the, even on some of the FM side because of uh, safety products, you need to really have that technology so that we can do that flow through and have that transparency to our customers. And then what about you all? So I always say that we, we're looking for not suppliers but partners mm. because, we, because we're a service-based organization, we're really looking for um, partners to join us and be integrated into our business operations. Just like everybody else, we have minimum business requirements. We spend a lot of time, too, investing in um, our prospective partners. We have a Vendor Academy platform mm-hmm. where we bring in um, prospective suppliers or vendors for the um, four or five months and really educate them on our business. 
So we educate them on our company as a whole, as well as the businesses where we feel like they have alignment to or the divisions. And then we get them in, in touch with the decision makers so they could really learn about how to best position themselves for opportunities. So that usually works out very well, and it usually translates into a contract with us, but it also creates opportunities for them to better position themselves to other companies including my colleagues' companies. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. As I ask this last question from my side, you all can start making your way to the microphone in the middle of the floor, so feel free to be thinking of what questions you'd like to ask here in the studio. Um, so initially, the thought is exciting. It's exciting to hear about all these different opportunities, but of course, we know that you ladies are very busy. It's difficult to build relationships. So what is the best way for me, if I'm a small, woman-owned, diverse business and I'm trying to connect with you and or your colleagues or peers, what's the best way for me to build relationships <coughs> with you and your peers? So I, I would say first first of all and foremost, what you need to do is, and I, you know, I say this a lot at, um, you know, um, in terms of coaching, but just make sure you do your research and do your do your homework and make sure that if you want to establish, you know, a, a relationship that will ultimately lead to, you know, doing business together, that it's, you know, the right fit. It's the right fit. And when I say that, I mean on both sides. It's not, you know, just, you know, a product that, you know, you want us to um, procure because that's what you sell. But it, it, it's going to bring value to McCormick and it's going to also, you know, of course, bring value to you as well. So, you know, the old, you know, the old phrase of win-win being, you know, it's going to benefit, you know, both sides. And that's going to take some time to, you know, to discuss what the opportunity may look like, um, to see if it's something that's, you know, either current or it could be something down the road. And you have to be willing to, you know, be patient in that regard. If it's something that may, because we may be already on the contract, for example, for that product or service for a number of years. So, it could, you know, it's not going to be, in, in a lot of cases, immediate. So I, my, my just recommendation and, you know, advice is to just know that it's the right fit before you engage with the company because once you when you start to engage that could be a very you know long process and you want you know the outcome to be something that's going to be a benefit versus you know just going down you know a dark hole or whatever so <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it <laughs> so, anyway. like a bunny huh <laughs> yeah. um, well one of the things because you're all women owned businesses is that I would love if you would all get certified by the WPEO because what what happens is that is a local certifying agency for WeBank, and that certifies you as a woman-owned business. So we you know everybody. It's like it's a market. It's a free marketing tool. So when we're looking for an opportunity, someone comes to me for a need. Um, I might not have met you. I I either call the office and ask them for help as who can do this, which I just did last week, and they responded right away. Or I can look in the database, people across the country, if I have a need, in a, someone in Idaho has a need here in the Baltimore, mm -hmm. D.C. area, they can look to see that where there's opportunity. So getting certified is really helpful because a lot of our clients require, oh, require certification. So having that certification is big. And also, I suggest if you're in a specific industry that you go to those industry events and look for us, the large companies in your marketplaces to connect to them because we do not sign any contracts unless it's for something specifically for us. We are the connectors to people within our company. So if you can yes. connect to those people at that organization, that is the best way because we would just be going directly to them anyways. So look for those large companies that you want to do business with at that event and really 
you know, connect with them. We could help you, but it's like we're only going to be contacting people that first key relationship is always the best. So you mentioned, because I know we have a way of throwing out acronyms, okay. alphabet yes. soup, and there may be some people in the room, of course, here in the D.C. area, big government contracting community. And so share with us when you say WeBank and WPEO, okay. what, what does that mean? Um, Women Business Enterprise National Council is the parent organization that certifies women-owned business nationally. Then they have regional chapters around the com- the country. Ours is located in D.C. and is headed by by Sandra Eberhardt, who is back in the back of the room here. Sandra, wave your hand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they certify locally for that chapter, so the regional chapter. And they have events to help you to grow. They have events to network with corporations. It's not just where you pay money to get certified. It really helps you to connect, to be educated, to network with other women-owned businesses that might be able to help you to grow your business. Okay, awesome. Now, questions. Does does anyone have a question before I have Dominica answer the question? Because come to the mic. Your time is running down. (laughs) Dominica. So I echo everyone's sentiments. I think the key thing is networking, um, just making sure you're getting in touch with the right people, and you can do that by getting access to these organizations, whether it's WPEO, WeBank, or your your local or state governments. Um, They all have events. And also, I think having a, a very buttoned-up elevator pitch, yeah. because oh, typically so we are um, we're solicited often, as you said, and we're right. very busy, and that's fine. We want to be solicited because we want to pursue you for business opportunities. But the reality is that everybody's um, pitch is not as buttoned up as it could be, and sometimes that thirty-second delivery is what gets you into the door and gets you access to the opportunity. So I recommend that everyone practices that. I, I, I beat a dead horse because I say this I all the time, but it's so valuable. And the businesses that we've really been um, attached to are the ones who came with that solid and polished pitch, right? Of how they can help us. Exactly. Right. Okay. Question. Hi, my name is Monica Costa, and I'm with Wilner Carobari Mechanical Repairs right here in Rockville. And the question that I have is that myself being a certified woman-owned business, um, I see that that is kind of you have the certification, but then big companies like yours, mm-hmm. are you guys really making sure that those the, the certified business are really being profitable in the sense of, of the other companies really making sure that they are using them. Because so many times we're part of like a contract or a subcon- or a subcontract and then forgotten. And it seems that, oh, yeah, we're doing business with the woman certified business uh, 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 companies, but then they are not really certain making sure that the big guys are really utilizing them and buying from them and really getting. So how do you address that? Because, you know, like you said, measurement matters. It does. Absolutely. But then not only being there, but really getting so the, the business. compliance piece, I guess. Absolutely. So I can Thank answer you. that because my organization is federally regulated, so <laughs> <laughs> compliance is important or I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> so we go through a, a very um, stringent reporting process on a quarterly basis, and we vet every, everything that comes through on our reporting cycle. Then each year we do a complete data scrub. So it's the data that we receive as well as our external partners, and we make sure that the certifications line up. And if they don't, then we start asking questions and investigate through our regulatory affairs team. I, from a private um, sector standpoint, I think for us, this is why the second tier program is so important because what that then is put the onus on our first tier suppliers to engage with, you know, our, their their subcontractors, and when they report to us on a quarterly basis, then that spend should be um, 
that spend with you if you're the subcontractor for that prime, then that spend should be included in, in that um, spend report. So that's why the second tier um, program is so important to get to, you know, to, to your point. Exactly. Right. And we include, when we review that with our first tier suppliers at every business review we have annually with them, supplier diversity is on the table to discuss how we're growing it, how we're doing that. And I know when we do second tier reports for client, ours are transparent, showing exactly what vendors, what we're spending with them. And if we're not meeting our goal, then that triggers that we have to have a meeting to decide how we're going to increase that, that spend. Awesome. Any other questions? Because I have a zillion of them, if you all don't. All righty. Hi, I'm Sylvia Henderson. MindTeamSolutions.com is where you'll find us. Uh, my question, you mentioned having a good pitch. You mentioned being certified. What other, I'll say, errors that we should not make that would sabotage us as women business owners in approaching you? Great question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I actually have the best example of what you just, your question from, um, this is, I attended an event last week, and I won't say the event, I won't say, but the one, and, and the one thing, and for me, this is like, almost like a pet peeve, you know, um, situation where the uh, company um, approached, approached my table and said, um, my name is so-and-so, and what does McCormick need? Oh, yes. That was the question, right. that she, and she yeah. put it exactly that way. I'm not even paraphrasing. She said, what does McCormick need? I said, well, what do you provide? She said, I can provide whatever you need. And I said to her, I said, it was, you know, I said, I don't think that's even possible. <laughs> so, and what I did say, I said, you know, and I, and I, I kind of phrase it like, you cannot, if you consider yourself, a, in, in this case, I used the term Jackie because she was a, I said Jackie of all trades, then that, in my mind, means you're a master of none. So you need to be really, you know, concise, you know, and, and, and have, you know, have your product or service be so targeted that you can, you know, you can't, you know, do A to Z. You have to know exactly what your core business is. And that's, for me, that's the biggest what not to do what I would, I could, you know. Right. Sheila, I call that the <laughs> vanilla ice approach. If you have a problem, yeah. you I'll yeah, solve it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Can't I can't tell them all. I know. Exactly. I know. Big shoulders, huh? Exactly. <laughs> Other so. sort of things, do not do's. <laughs> Um, you really need to know, as you're going to, to boost, I love when people, you need to know what a company does. Like Sodexo is not McCormick's. It's like, so people might not know. And so then, they sh- I mean, they have their phone. They can look up to see what we do ahead of time. It's not hard anymore. And so when they approach and they're trying to offer something that is something that we don't even do, it shows that people do not do their homework. And I feel bad for that company, too, because they could have spent time probably meeting with somebody else or looking at someone else that could possibly do business with them. So you really need to, to make sure you do your homework on the companies Agreed. to know where you might have those opportunities. Agreed. And I would just add, so there's this thing called capability statements, which a lot of companies have. It's supposed right. to be the one-page like highlight, but it ends up being a one-page of just a lot of information and a lot of it doesn't make sense, or people want to send you a 30-page PowerPoint, which is very nice and impressive, but really yeah. understanding that we are communicating this information to decision makers, it needs to be a great synopsis of what you do, 
how you can benefit the company, and then we can provide the supplemental details beyond that initial conversation. But um, as we all learn, growing up, your first impression is a lasting impression, That's so you right. want to make sure that you make a strong right. one from that pitch and the presentation of your capability statement. Right, right. Awesome. And one last thing is like, if you are especially a space, because we are the connectors, to help us to figure out who we are supposed to connect you with. Right. Because sometimes, you know, we're long tenured people with the company, but it's hard sometimes with special things to know. So you need to help us to help you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wow, there was so much great content in that conversation. When it comes to obtaining more leads, especially if you're a woman-owned business, some of the key takeaways that I found were the importance of certifying your company. So make sure you're taking advantage of those unique opportunities to better position yourself so that these larger corporations will be more incented to do business with you. And also don't forget along the way, make sure you have a strong pitch so that you're in a position to really share with them how you add value to them. So this concludes this episode. Thank you again for joining us. Again, shout out to Montgomery Community Media for allowing us to share this content from the Small Business Network. I look forward to seeing you next time. And for more information about how to boost your business, be sure to check us out on our website, www.kellytleonard.com.